Amen. Don't you just love Arena? Amen. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I do. I love it. I love that song. And I think you know it by memory says, Grace. in my mind. 
on the platform and the choir makes their way to the congregation to be with you. We're going to sing an old familiar hymn today. There is power in the blood. Um, and we're going to sing it all. You know, when Sid Buckley was with us, he talked about the third verse of a Baptist church. Did you hear about this welcome as the third verse of a Baptist church? Well, we're, <laughs> we're going to sing all the verses today. There's power in the blood. Let's sing it again. Let's listen
So good to see each of you today. Glad that you are a part of our service today. If you are viewing online, we're glad that you are doing that as well. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen and amen. So good to see you. If you're a guest today, it's an honor and a joy to have you worshiping with us here at Poplar Springs and uh, thankful for your attendance today. Been looking forward to this moment and this message today. Uh, we're kind of, you know, if you take an airplane ride, you know, you're kind of taxing down the runaway and then there's the lift off and, and you're going to kind of approach that destination and then you kind of stay in that holding pattern and then you, you begin your descent, right? And so now we're to chapter 11 in the book of Nehemiah. So that means this, we're kind of making our descent. And so we've got chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13. And uh, so uh, we're, we're getting really close to the end. And today I think is just a really good word for the church today. It's been 160 years that the city of Jerusalem had been unwalled and uninhabited by the people of God. And what we're going to see in chapter 11, now it's time for God's people to, who've been living kind of on the outskirts of town, now it's time for them to come back inside Jerusalem. And so we're going to just lay a foundation on that today. There, there's a lot of good books uh, over the years that I've read about biblical discipleship. And one of those books is a book written by a guy named Jim Pushman. And uh, he has a church in Boise, Idaho. And, and they are, they're a church that's built around a small group. And so that's, that's how they believe they disciple people in Boise, Idaho best is in small groups. And so they just have just hundreds and hundreds, literally, I'm not kidding when I say that, hundreds of small groups that meet all over Boise. And then they bring all those together and they have you know, just a, an incredible time of worship and celebration. Several years ago, there, there was a, a definition in that book that I just absolutely fell in love with. And it was, what, what is a good definition of a disciple? First of all, a disciple is one who follows Jesus. You've heard me say this already many times here. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus. Number two, a disciple is someone who is continually changed by Jesus. Right? I mean, there's this ongoing work of, of sanctification that God does in all of his children. And then number three, a disciple is known because he embraces the mission of God as his own. He, he or she sees their place in, in the ministry of, of this incredible ministry of reconciliation and, and this work of redemption that God is doing. And they see that they play a vital role. Church, listen to me. You play a vital role in the mission of God and building his kingdom right here, right now. And so the, the goal of this message today is simply to remind you of probably what you already know. Isn't that the hard part sometimes? Just applying and implementing what we already know. 
And so today we're just going to take some time and I'm going to I'm going to look at chapter 11. It's a, it's an interesting the way it's written. It's, it's very interesting, but we're going to have some fun with, with it today. So if you have a copy of God's word, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. As a matter of fact, hold your Bible up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life giving, life changing word. Now the leaders of the people live in Jerusalem and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remain in the other towns. And the people bless all the men who willingly offer to live in Jerusalem. So Father, today, God, I thank you and praise you for such a sweet time of worship through music and song today. God, thank you for Scott. Thank you for the praise team, the choir, our musicians. God, they just lead us so faithfully. And God, just, just grateful for today's experience. And Lord, we know that you are large and in charge. You are ruling and reigning today. And God, I pray and believe with all of my heart that you have a word for the church today. And so, Jesus, I'm going to ask you, Lord, to take over right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would just draw us close to you. Lord, that we would see ourselves as a true disciple of Jesus. That, God, we would follow you. That we would continue to be changed by you. And especially today, God, that we would see how important it is to embrace the mission the God, that's why we are still here. There is a work to do. God, there is an opportunity to seize. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word today. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that many, many today, Lord Jesus, would be so willing to serve you in the body for your good and for your glory and we pray it all today in jesus name amen god bless you you can't be seen you know when, when i think about nehemiah I, I just i just think about how he's led the people of god first and foremost I me mean, he was so alert to the will of god you remember back in chapter one, he, he sensed this incredible burden when he had heard that the walls were down and the gates were burned. And he knew that what a poor testimony that was to, to God himself. And, and so this incredible burden began to resonate in his heart. And so, listen, a man walking with God has a burden from God. And so he clearly understood what the will of God was. Second of all, there was such a priority of prayer. Did you notice that as we just kind of walked through this book? A high priority on prayer. There were times that he would be alone and that he would pray. There were times that he was talking to people. Now think about this. He's having a conversation with the king. And at the same time he's talking to the earthly king, he's talking to the king, right? And he's just, I mean, he's just in the moment. You ever done that? You've been talking to somebody, but the whole time you're praying to God. Maybe when you got pulled over. But you, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and so, so there's this incredible high priority when it comes to prayer. And he's so committed to the vision that God had given him. 
I mean, can you just, just let your mind just kind of rehearse as we walk through this book and you get to chapter three and there's Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and so there's opposition from without. Then chapter four, there's a little bit of opposition from within. And you just see that he is so committed even in the face of difficulty. He is so committed to the vision of God. He overcame every single obstacle to faith. He never, ever wavered. And boy, do we need that in the church today. Amen? And so what we see in the very beginning of chapter 11 is there's a problem. The problem is that most of the people are living outside of Jerusalem. And now it is the will of God for some of the folks to move back into Jerusalem. Wow. Because he's going to use them on mission for himself. They're going to be a testimony to the power of God. I mean, how can you be a witness if you aren't around people? You understand that? And so, so God's going to bring them back in so they can be a testimony. They can be a witness and they will be on mission for him. And so the people had probably gotten pretty comfortable living out of the city. We could all understand that, right? I mean, who wouldn't love the country? Somebody say amen. amen. I mean, we love the country. And they'd probably gotten pretty comfortable. And not many wanted to move. I love the phrase today, frozen chosen. That's actually typed in my notes today, all right? Such a move of Spirit of God, amen? <laughs> frozen chosen. Bless me, I dare you, right? That's, that's what you see sometimes. That, that's what Scott didn't say. He wanted to say, but he didn't say today. Sometimes you see people just like this right here. Right? You see it, Joel, don't you? In the choir. You see it from the choir, don't you? And you know what they're thinking? They're thinking this. Bless me. I dare you. <laughs> so, Nehemiah said, okay, here's the issue. We know it's the will of God to begin to move into the city. To be a testimony for him. But most of the people living outside the city. Now, I don't know if he did this or not. Did he put it in the church bulletin? We need help. We need people moving to the city. Guess how many went? Almost nobody. Right? We know that the Bible says there were a few of the leaders that were there. And that was that. And so here's what Nehemiah did. He had a draft party. He said, we're going to draft. And one out of every ten families is going to be selected and they're going to move inside the city. Doug, next time we have upper soccer, we'll just draft the coaches. We'll just draft the referees. How about that? I didn't get any amens on that whatsoever. Did y'all hear that? I mean, it was crickets in here when I said that. But that's exactly what Nehemiah did. It's kind of like, he said, we're just going to, this is what we're going to do. And he felt led to do that. But I want you to notice the very end of verse 2. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Your service to God will never rise above your walk with Him. The reason that some of these men 
willingly said we will go, we will move our families into the city was because they were walking so close to God. I mean, they were walking with God. They saw this as an opportunity for the kingdom. They saw this as a, a blessed opportunity for the mission. They, 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 could, they, they just saw God moving in it. And they said, we want to be a part of that. It was a get to and not a have to. They saw God in it, even though it was a very ordinary kind of thing, right? If you think about it, it's kind of very ordinary. I could live anywhere. Pat knows that. I could live anywhere. I could live in a tent and I'd be happy. I could probably live in a cardboard box and I'd be happy. I've wanted for years, I've wanted to sell everything we own and buy an RV and just live out of the RV. That hasn't happened. <laughs> that probably won't happen. But these folks just said, it's, we, we, we get to, we're, we're walking with God and we, we feel His Spirit moving so mightily. We, we've, we've spent 24 days in the Bible conference, four to six hours a day in the Word. We've come through the, the, the greatest time of repentance and confession that we've ever been a part of. And I'm telling you, their walk with God was so hot and so intimate. They said, you know what, God, if this is your will, we will gladly say yes to your will. Ladies and gentlemen, our service to God will never rise above our walk with Him. You ever been a part of a church that says something like this? Nominated committee. We've got a great nominated committee, and I don't think they did this. I don't think so. Have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Well, let's give so-and-so a position and maybe that'll make him more committed. That's backwards, right? It's backwards. Now, you see somebody who has a walk with God and they, and they understand that this ordinary opportunity, can I just tell you something about ordinary opportunities? God uses ordinary opportunities for His glory. That's why, listen, do never make the mistake to say, well, I'm just me, or I live here, or I do this for my occupation. I'm telling you, you might just discover that that is your mission that God has sovereignly chose for you. Great opportunity lives in the ordinary. Church, look around. God is at work. Look for him look for God's sightings all around and if you can't see God moving it may say more about your walk than it does Jesus amen oh me so the question is are you volunteering are you making yourself available to Jesus point number two God will never overlook one deed done for His glory. Now, I won't take the time today because there are a lot of hard names in chapter 11, right? Basically, verse 3 through the end of the book 
is nothing but a list of names. Now, sometimes we look at a passage like this and we think, man, I don't want to read that part because there's just kind of nothing in there, right? The truth is this. Here's how I want you to think about this today. This is very important because do you believe the Bible is God-breathed? So this passage is just as inspired and God-breathed as any other passage in the Old Testament. There is a reason God wanted these names. There's a reason God wanted every single occupation represented to be looked at. And that's because of this. It is forever recorded in the Word of God. Think about that. Every occupation. They were priests. They were laity. They were leaders. They were team builders. They were worshipers. They were families from the tribe of Judah and tribe of Benjamin. They were managers. They were men of valor. I mean, a diverse body of people. And God was saying this. None of them are the same. They don't look alike. They don't smell alike. And yet every single one of them is important to the mission. Ladies and gentlemen, you may not have the same occupation. You may not have the same spiritual gifts. But every member of this church is important to the mission. And the goal is not to come here on Sundays and sit The goal of every Sunday morning that this should motivate us, right? Should motivate us to see our place in the mission of God. Praise God for a diverse body. Look around this morning. Just hurt. It's okay. I'm giving you permission. Look around. Look to the left. Look to the right. I know there's some weird people, right? I mean, I know. <laughs> but what a beautiful body. I, I, I love, listen, I... I if I, well, I, I'm just going to take some time today. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. For you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to new idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Isn't that good? That God, the moment you were saved, God imparted to you spiritual gifts. You are a part of a body. For just as one body, that is not what that says. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into the body. Jews, Greeks, slaves are free and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. You understand what, the, what he's saying there? 
every single person, every single gift be used for God's glory is God's will for his church. And here's the deal. If God did not overlook these people and what they did, God will not overlook you either. Think about that. God's not going to overlook you. Not one deed. Not one deed done for the glory of God will ever be overlooked. And so church, that's why I say today, oh, my soul, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm telling you, God wants you. God died for you. God saved you. God gifted you. You are needed by God. You are needed by each other. What a blessing. Don't miss out. I mean, it really is a true blessing and not a burden. You say, Ken, I've been serving the Lord and nobody ever pays any attention to what I do. I understand that. Listen, I've been in the ministry. I just celebrated my 47th year. 42 years in ministry. I've been Baptist for 42 years and nine months. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was Baptist in the womb. So I understand Baptist life. And I understand that there are some things that can happen or not happen. And, 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 and I get all that. I'm just telling you. But I want you to, I want you to hear this. This is such a great passage. So if you're here, you say, Ken, I believe everything that you're saying I know that I'm a disciple. I know that God's doing a work in me. I can see God move. I know what he wants me to do. But I'm just kind of tired. And I'm just tired that nobody ever says thank you for what I do. It's kind of like the person that brought pound cake at the homecoming. And nobody ate their pound cake. You ever been there? Bless your heart. People say, well, I just got my feelings hurt. Well, get in line. I mean, feelings are just going to get hurt. If you live by your feelings, you're going to get your feelings hurt, right? I mean, my soul, I got my feelings hurt at Burger King, but I still eat. <laughs> I love what the writer of Hebrews says. Listen to what is, this is in the Word of God. Though we speak in this way, and in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. Did you hear that? That means God is never going to overlook what He calls you to do. And you know what? Nobody may ever pat your back on this side of eternity. Nobody may ever give you a plaque with your name on it and say thank you. But I promise you this. When you stand before God at the beam of seat and you hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, it will be worth it all. So you do what you do for the glory of God and have a blast.
Last thing I want you to see is this. Service is the natural response to those who walk with Jesus. Now I want you to listen close. And I'm going to read this because I want to be sure I say it and I'm going to say it right. You show me someone who is always looking to be served rather than to serve and I will show you someone who doesn't have a clue what it means to walk with Jesus. Service should be the natural response to those who walk with Jesus. It's the idea of giving yourself away. That God, I would give myself away to the ministry of Jesus. Church, you can truly leave a legacy that will never fade away. An investment that could last throughout all eternity. God is a faithful rewarder of those who are faithful in service to Him. He will reward those faithful deeds. He will reward. And listen, anything that He would reward us with would always outweigh all the mess that we have to put up with sometimes. Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus said this, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So payment, think about that. I I know the reason I'm going to use the word payment is that's how we think sometimes today. The real blessing and reward of faithful service is Jesus. It's not pain. It's a person. It's Him. And so I think there is this, what, what, I, what I feel in Nehemiah 11, as I read through this and I see the diverse body and all the different gifts and, and all the different occupations and how God is just using all of that to, to move these people from outside to inside. Isn't that what God did for you? Weren't you outside, but God moved you inside? Think about it. You were outside of His grace and He brought you in. You were outside of His love and He brought you in. You were outside of the family, but He brought you in, right? God took you out to bring you in. And God didn't bring you out to bring you in to sit here and do nothing. Right? So there's a work for all of us. There's a work for all of us. I want to close today with a quote, and I, I typed it in the notes, but it may be so small that you won't be able to see it. So I'll be sure to, to read it, but I want you just to listen. I, want you to, I just want you to feel this. Wanted. Gifted volunteers for difficult service and the local expression of the kingdom of God. Motivation to serve should be obedience to God, gratitude, gladness, forgiveness, humility, and love. Service will rarely be glorious. Temptation to quit. Place of service will sometimes be strong. 
Volunteers must be faithful in spite of long hours, little or no visible results, and possibly no recognition except from God in eternity. God's calling. God's calling. And my prayer today is that as we see God move, as God is doing a fresh work, that we will not be the ones who are guilty of watching everybody else get in on God's doing. But you would be like Isaiah. He said what? Here am I, right? Here am I. Send me. Maybe it's to sing in the choir. Lord, send me. Maybe it's to teach. Lord, send me. Maybe it is to volunteer for upward. Lord, send me. Maybe it is to go on that mission trip. Lord, send me. Maybe it is to serve as a greeter. Lord, send me. Maybe it is to serve in security. Lord, send me. Maybe it is to be a host for the church and, and prepare some meals. Lord, send me. I don't know what it could be. I'm just telling you, there is so much gifting. There is so much of God moving that I'm just telling you, God's got to have all of us. Is your yes on the table today? And don't you give me any of those excuses. I, I even know what some of those excuses are. I'm talking about that, and I could. Some of you are going to say, well, I'm just, you know, I've raised my kids. It's time for somebody else to raise those kids. I'm not serving in the nursery. You'll be ashamed of yourself. If you got kids and you raised them halfway decent to the glory of God, then you know what? We need you to be those in the nursery that love on kids. That should be one area of our church. Sorry, but I'll just go ahead and go there. That should be one area of the church that I'm telling you, we should never have to ask people to serve. If we can't love on babies and love on kids, there is something really wrong. And it doesn't matter how young or how old, right? Oh, Y'all feel my heart, right? You feel my heart? There's a work. And you know what? In the coming days, you, you may have somebody come to me and say, hey, the Lord's put something on my heart and I'm going to share it with you. might be gifted. Right? And what should your response be? Yes. To the glory of God. I'm not telling you that you're going to have to, look, we're not going to draft and move you. Although, it may come to that, alright? Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a church where there is such a spirit of yes. God, this is what we're doing? Yes. God, this is where you're working? Yes. God, this is what you're calling to? Yes. Don't waste your life. 
We're going to do this, but I'm going to do it now. So I'm going to ask one more question. What do you think about this question? 20 years after you die, will it matter that you ever lived? 20 years after you die, will it matter that you ever lived? God, when called upon, 
God, they would have a willing heart. And so, Lord, we, we ask you even now today, God, maybe somebody's kind of fighting. Maybe somebody has just said, I'm not going to do anything anymore. The Lord, I pray that even through this invitation today, whether they come forward or build an altar where they're standing, God, that they would do business with you. And that God, you would just give us such an incredible spirit of, of those who are willing to serve you. We ask this today in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. Our team's going to lead us in a time of invitation. And maybe, maybe you want to come pray. Maybe you just need to, just right where you're standing, just to pray and just commit some things to Jesus. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you about, you just deal with it. If you need me, I'll be here. But maybe you just need just to spend some time with the Lord today. Miss Kelly. 
April Mack is teaching the women's study um, in room 102. So if you were not here last week, you're not too far behind, please come and be a part. We'll look forward. Yes, you may. Okay, this uh, Bible study is on Romans. Is on Romans 8. Now, if you Google that, you will find so many times it says that Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the Bible. That's what Google says. Yeah. There's there's so many great chapters, but we're going to study this this chapter. We're going to break it down, and we are going to see what the Lord's going to tell us through this great chapter. So y'all come. We we actually just did like an introduction last week, so we haven't really started into the meat of it yet. So come and be with us. This is going to be great. So don't forget that room 102 for ladies, y'all want to break it down. Okay, so, <laughs> so I look forward to seeing all the ladies uh, in that class and everyone else in the fellowship. Paul, we we're going to be looking at the call, uh, which was Francois' book, but he was with us, and we'll be um, going through that. On the 25th of this month, on the 25th of this month, is three weeks from today. Um, yes, three weeks from today. We're going to uh, have another gathering of our men. So if you weren't here for the first men's gathering, it's not going to be quite that elaborate. Men, I'm going to ask you to ask your wives, or you can buy a dessert. We're just going to have dessert, coffee, and drinks on the 25th. On the 25th. Three weeks from today, and we're going to chart a course. Uh, we'll be here about an hour, starting at 6 o'clock. So just come, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing what God's going to do with us as men in our church. Miss Barbara, you, uh, we need a banana pudding. I'm just saying. Uh, three weeks from today. All right. <laughs> Somebody have to remind her of that every week. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, for the day we're grateful for the hearing of your word today and the preaching of your word. We're grateful. And I pray that once again that when you come, we'll be the ones to say, here am I, Lord, sin. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen.